Let's go. Welcome to the Poptimist Podcast. Today we have Whistle. Is it, am I saying it right? Whistle. Whistle. Like Whistle. Okay. And Cody. That's right. Okay. You just want to go by Cody? You want to tell? I'll go by Cody. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, where can people find you at your social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on Instagram, it's at Whistle Music. So, W H I S S E L L Music. Um, and then uh, Twitter, at Whistle Music. And then Facebook, it's just Whistle. Cool. What about you, Cody? You want to share your social media? Uh, I, it's probably not important. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm on all the networks, closely somewhere where you can find me. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Well, most of them, yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on today. I was listening to some of your tunes um, from your most recent EP that was released last year. Yes. Um, your voice sounds incredible. It's very smoky, sensual. Thank you. Yeah. And the, the production on it is great, too. Who produced it? Um, I worked with a bunch of different producers, um, kind of all across the map, but some of the ones um, here in town were um, Case and Cooley, worked with him, um, and mm. then worked with Kenny Davis, um, Jordan Malowski, um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anyone else, but um, yeah, it was so much fun to kind of write with a bunch of different people, and then uh, choose the songs that were my favorite to kind of go on the EP. So it was a bunch of different producers. Yeah. So you did like a co-write kind of thing. Would you meet up with them? You guys would sit down and yes. just write? Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. I was explaining this to um, my husband a while back, um, how, you know, when I first got into the music industry, I didn't realize that that's how a lot of the rights went went down is you get set up either through like your manager or publisher or someone mm -hmm. you know and you essentially go in a room with a producer and yourself or maybe another writer and um it's kind of like blind dating you know you sometimes it works sometimes, sometimes it, it doesn't. works sometimes it doesn't yeah. sometimes you meet the person and you talk to them and you love them and you connect so well but you don't write a great song yeah and sometimes you get in there and you can't connect with the person at all and then all of a sudden it's like you start playing instruments and you start singing melodies and you write this like beautiful song so um it's really cool but yeah most of the um the songs that went on my uh on my ep it was it was kind of that process i just got set up through either my manager or my publisher with them and what was the name of the ep um, there, so there are two EPs last year. One was Old Souls, Young Bodies. Um, that was my first one that I ever released. And then the second one was just self-titled, so just Whistle. Okay. And the, you can find those iTunes, Spotify, yep. Yep. anywhere you can find music. Yep. iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. So where did you grow up at? Yeah. Um, well, I moved around a lot as a kid um, just for my parents' jobs. But I went to um, middle school and high school and college on Florida. Um, what part of Florida? In, I went to middle school in Sarasota, high school in Orlando, Florida, and then I went to Florida State for college. What is that in... Tallahassee. Okay. Yes. And then I graduated from Florida State, and I moved here um, the summer after college, right after I graduated. And how long have you been here for? Um, almost six and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So did you study music in college? No. Uh, I studied communication, and I grew up singing... Uh, you know, for my friends, for my family, it was always my favorite thing to do, but I never pursued it until really I was in college and I'd had some internships and, you know, kind of dipped my toe in the, uh, 
in the real world, in the nine to five world. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of said, I can't do this. Yeah. Fuck that, right? (laughs) Exactly. I was like, this is not for me. So, um, I had an aunt and uncle and cousins that lived in Franklin and I knew that Nashville had a music scene. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, but my other options were LA or New York. And I just kept thinking, I have no um, experience at all with songwriting or really singing professionally and I just felt like going to L- LA or New York might be kind of crazy and um, and so I, I came to Nashville just to kind of try it out and what I thought was cool is that the pop scene was emerging and I felt like I could kind of be a part of it like I could kind of help shape it and, um, and get on and get into something that was like in the very early stages so yeah, I worked a couple jo- nine to five jobs here in insurance and sales and oh, yeah. networked at night and hustled. The Nashville and, grind. Oh my gosh, met as many people as I could, and you know it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you just think, oh well, I can sing, and I'm gonna meet people who can, you know, play instruments or write, and we're gonna make it work, and that's how it works. And I got here and. You know, you meet a lot of people who say that they have connections and they don't, or, um, you know, people who you just don't gel with and you just can't write a song with. And so, um, I had uh, randomly found a roommate on Craigslist. How did that go? Um, It went so well. It's Uh, it's it's a success story. It's a success story. I should write a letter to Craigslist. And, um, And she had a friend who also moved in with us. And that friend introduced me to Cody, um, and uh, they're now married. So, wow, yeah, okay. crazy Craigslist story, but um, Cody is my manager, and he basically came over and listened to me play an out-of-tune guitar that I did not know was out-of-tune, that's how sad it was, and um, played some songs, and he was like, let's write together, and we started writing, and I was my manager, and that was almost four years ago, so... It really worked out. Um, looking back on it, it's crazy how it seemed like it was like meant to be, especially with like choosing a you know roommate on Craigslist, going for it, and moving to Nashville on a whim. Um, but it was probably you know one of the best decisions I made to move to Nashville. You got to take that leap of faith, especially if you want if you want something bad enough, you have to go for it. Definitely. Otherwise, there's no point. Right. Right. And and I had always wanted to pursue music. I just you know, was kind of like uh, bogged down by, you know, I, I did well in school and I think, um, you know, I just thought, okay, well, maybe I'll, you know, sing on the side or sing for fun or we'll see what happens. But then as time went on, I was just like, no, this, it just keeps tugging at my heartstrings. Like this the is mark what of I'm, a true artist. Like, that's what I have to do. That's what I'm, you know, meant to do. And so you just got to go for it. I mean, I really, I remember like calling my friends or even like calling some family members and they were like, you're going to do what? I was like, I'm just going to move to Nashville on a whim and I, I'm going to do it. I feel like I'm going to make it. I have to. That gut feeling. Yeah. Of, I got to do this. Yeah. I think it's better to fail multiple times. Like I think one piece of propaganda our society tells us is like fail once and, and learn from it. And I usually I have to make a mistake two or three times before I realize what went wrong. Absolutely. Like, and before I moved here, I actually, I lived in Florida for six months. Oh. So I graduated high school from Maine. Um, I was originally born down in Florida, so I moved cool. back down to Pembroke Pines. I moved in with my sister. I lived on oh, a couch awesome. for six months. I know that is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I was like, uh, okay, so I don't want to stay in Florida. I didn't really like Florida. 
Um, just way too hot. It's very hot, I understand. And then I moved back home for a couple of years, moved out to Colorado for a year, got way too stoned out there. I was 20, 21. <laughs> I cannot handle the responsibility of being that far away from home yeah. and having that much access to weed. Yeah. And then I moved back home again and I was like, okay, I need to learn some kind of skill or something like that in order to, to keep doing this. Right. That's when I had the idea, okay. I thought at first I was going to be an electrician. That's what my dad did. I was like, I'll yeah. just be an electrician. And then... Uh, I just started doing sales and everything like that. But long story short, yeah, I, I just decided to take that final gamble and I messed up every single one of those moves. I realized something that I did wrong that wasn't just in my favor and went from there. So it took me two or three moves before yeah. I realized this, this is what I'm supposed to do or this is how to do things the right way. Absolutely. And that comes in time and experience. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we were kind of talking about before, you know, the mics warmed up that I really liked you guys were saying was about the realism mm -hmm. of, of this business. Is that something that was instilled in you or is that something that you just gained through time? I think gained through time, but also gained through talking with Cody a lot. I mean, day one, when we worked together, it was like, oh, this is amazing. My dreams are coming true. But it was also like, okay, this is a business because... I, Real talk. I said, hey, I want to make money doing this. I don't want to, you know, keep having all of these different jobs all of the time and, um, and not be able to pursue music um, because I felt like, you know, I was working all of these nine to five jobs and it was taking away from all of these different opportunities. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was like, okay, then we've got to find a way to make this a business. Like, I want this to be my main priority. That pivot point. Absolutely. Um, and so that's when, you know, we started writing for Sync a bunch, for film and TV. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just tried to strategize and, and make sure that I understood that this was a business. And honestly, I think that that was... Um, one of the most important things that has happened, but it was also one of the hardest because as a creative person, as an artist, like, you know, sometimes my head can be in the clouds. I'm like up here thinking about all these different things and I need to be brought back down sometimes. The sense of like, okay, this is, this is going to cost X amount of dollars. Where are we going to get that? You know, budgeting and, um, yeah, it's, it's always, I always feel like I'm like running my own company, you know, you are, yeah, you're the CEO. Yeah. yeah. I'm the CEO of my own company. And with that comes, you know, marketing and a marketing budget and, mm -hmm. you know, all of these different pieces to the, the pie and the puzzle. But um, I, you know, would have to say um, that I'm very thankful for Cody because when we started working together, that was the first thing he said is if we're going to work together, this is going to be a business. You know, this isn't some sort of like, yes, it's fun, but it's not just going to be a thing you do for fun. Yeah, it's got to be, you got to be organized and disciplined. Yes. Like... I hear people all day long, I'm sure you do too, it's just like they're bemoaning not having gigs or not, right. not their song's not getting placed or anything like that, but they're also not taking the nine steps in advance that you have yeah. to take before you can do something like totally. that. Totally. Yeah. It's small ball. Yeah. It's one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one quarter at a time. Definitely. And it all starts to add up and it eventually just gets to a point to where the floodgates open. Right. At least that's what I want to believe, that's what I'm yes. hoping. Yes. That's what I'm hoping no, the truth I, that's, is. I believe that, so... Yeah, I think it it's it's about hustling, but it's also about 
Um, and we talked about this, you know, earlier too, before the mic was warmed up, like realistic expectations for yourself Mm -hmm. and, um, being excited when big opportunities come, but not being afraid to like take the little opportunities and just say like, Hey, this, these are little things that I need on my way to the top. Yeah. Everything is like a $500 gig here or getting 500 bucks up from somewhere able to turn around and be like, well, that's $500 we can put towards the next show, hiring exactly. a producer, anything like that. So it was yeah. like, it really takes that business kind of kind of savvy. Definitely. Was that something you had or was that something you gained working through Cody? Um, I think, I think it was gained working through Cody. I wish I could say that I'm like super business savvy. Yeah. But I'm not. I mean, I'm definitely um, can be disciplined and organized when I need to be. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely more of the creative. Sure. In the working relationship between us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think Wissa probably doesn't give herself a lot of credit, but she is extremely business oriented, which was obviously from day one. It's like, okay, this is somebody that I can invest in. Not a joker. With. No, it's yeah. not a joker. And, she gets it. She understands that, um, you know, what it takes to get somewhere. And, and, you know, it's like most people don't realize, you know, new business owners don't make a profit for the first five years. Yeah. You know, oh, that's, yeah. that's a very normal thing for, for people. And sometimes, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of hard work. And sometimes you just have to eat shit before you do something great, you know? Bravo. And, and well said. And, and we've, I've done that. I've lived that. Whistle's seen that. She's lived that. Like, and you know, I think that's what makes our uh, what makes Whistle be able to 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 move forward like she's doing right now. Is that, like she said, she's taken a lot of little opportunities. She's had a lot of really cool big things that are that are happening. But all in all, she realizes that a she's really lucky to be doing this in general, and and we both feel that way. And and so we try to just keep our head on straight and never. I always tell her like, put your blinders on. Don't let anything distract you. Keep doing what you're doing. And and I think she's done a really good job with that. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely always been really driven. That's something that I think business owners have to have Mm -hmm. um, instilled in them. Um, But I think I just needed someone to guide me along the way with things to to make it really work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's still part of the reason why Nashville is so great is because you can move here and you meet someone randomly on Craigslist right. who ends up becoming your manager, you know, it's just right. really serendipitous things happen when mm-hmm. you start heading in the, the right direction. Right. I, I yeah. think we really do form our own reality sometimes because mm-hmm. um, there have been times in my life where I've had a really negative, nasty outlook, um, just when I was 18, had no, you have no sway in the world whatsoever when right. you're 18. You don't know which way's up, which way's down. You just get thrown into life. And all of a sudden, you join the race. So I know, speaking from just like my own experiences, when things start going well, you appreciate them a thousand times more because you're like, jeez, oh, finally, something's working out, something gave. And yeah. it's, yeah. I always feel like a couple times a year, there are times I like I don't know maybe you experience this where you're just like I don't know if I can keep doing this like it's getting so hard like but it's that there's always a miracle that happens when you need it to most that yes. comes through for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I felt that way honestly um, when I first moved to Nashville because I was working in insurance 
and um, that doesn't sound very I was creative. A claims adjuster, so oh. I decided who was at fault in car accidents. That That's was my horrible. job. Um, and you know, it was a it was a great company, but it's like you know, you are you you stop asking people how their day is on the phone with these people because you know you're like, hi, how are you? How's your day? And they're like, it's the worst day of my life. My car's totaled. I yeah. like have a broken arm. And you're like, ah. Um, it was just, you know, not a very, a sunshine and, and rainbows experience, but then I would come home and, and try and network and I just felt really defeated. I, like I said before, I just kept meeting like the wrong people. No one wants to talk to you when you no, first move to no, town because they know you don't got shit. Especially yeah. when you say, Hey, I bought this guitar like a couple months ago. I'm trying to teach myself how to play. I've never recorded anything before. I've never played anywhere. I have nothing to show you other than like a voice memo on my phone. Like, okay, yeah, thanks. Uh, like, we'll, the we'll Nashville, talk to you never. The Nashville no. Yeah, and and I understand that. Like, I I get that. Um, I mean, I also think that I just wasn't meeting the right people. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and, and then when I, honestly, when I finally met Cody, it was like right before that, a couple weeks before, I was like, do I need to move somewhere else? Do I need to like, am I crazy for having this thought that yeah. this is what I want to do? You start to like question yourself oh, yeah. and, and question your, your talents and get and ready was, to tap out. Exactly. Yeah. And it was right at that point when I met Cody. And so I, I feel like that, like you were said like you were saying, that happens all the time, where you feel like you're at the bottom or you start to doubt yourself or you just get really negative and in your head and then it's like that one little thing that changes. Keeps you in the game. It keeps for, you in the game. For another 90 days. Fuel, fuels <laughs> you. Um, that happens all the time, even when you're just like having, I'll have a bad day and I just get inside my head and I'm like, oh, this this is such a hard path, you know? This you're forging like, your own path. Oh my gosh, it's so difficult. But then even just like one person messages you on Instagram a random person's like hey I found your music and I love it and I've been listening to it and makes you want to cry it's in, you know you're just like okay okay I'm I'm just like I'm doing the right thing like this is this is where I'm supposed to be right now for sure have you guys ever seen the the documentary that's on Netflix about the Eagles yes <gasps> oh my gosh I can't believe you brought that up yeah I I've seen that maybe four times uh-huh and it's one of the best documentaries. Oh, yeah. It's everything that was great, I think, about the, the way that the music business was. Yes. And it's everything that's great. Like, their manager is great. Yes. Irving Azoff. Oh. Um, He's the best in the biz. Yeah, he is. And he, he like, Steely Dan, I think he managed Steely Dan in, like, mm -hmm. with Asia, which was their fourth or fifth album or something like that. And that's when they kind of got mainstream success. But it's so interesting to hear him talk about that. And how realistic and how hard-nosed of a businessman he is. And just the way that the band worked together, it was complete fucking chaos yeah. all the time. Just yeah. like Joe Walsh. Just getting on, crazy. Yeah, just getting absolutely fucking plastered on every drug that there is known to man. Wrecking hotel rooms. There's a part of that documentary that I think about all the time. And I, I don't know the exact quotes. So I'll kind of mess it up. But Glenn Fry's talking about songwriting. And um, he's talking about how when he first, I think it's when he first met Jackson Brown and mm -hmm. they started writing together and he was telling him or he was telling someone that he wasn't a good songwriter. Yeah. And, and they were like, you just keep writing and eventually you'll get good. It's like, it's that thing where one day you'll realize, oh, I am a good songwriter, yeah. but it's, it's. 200 songs in, it's 300 songs in yeah. and you won't realize it until one day you've just 
you've changed. You've completely changed. You're an you've artisan written. when you're, you're a songwriter. Exactly. And so I always think about think about that because I can get in my head about songwriting sometimes. And then I'm like, you know what, Glenn Frost said, I just got to keep going. Anybody keep writing. can write a good song. I think it takes true talent to write a bad song. Yeah. You have That's to be willing to, to, to bite the bullet and then listen back to it a day later and be like, ooh, not so, not so hot. Or, right. Like, I just, I love that documentary and I loved the story that he told about, um, I think it was, it was Jackson Brown was living in the, yes. the place above him yeah. and he was living below him mm -hmm. and he said he heard him every single day. Yes. Hammering away at yeah. trying, at trying to write. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it was great, the story about Take It Easy. Oh my gosh. Like, the whole documentary yeah. is, is phenomenal. But Definitely. Is that the one, there's one song where um, Glenn Fry started writing and just couldn't finish it. Was It, it might be Take It Easy. I think it was, because that was one of, the, one of the early songs, so that was super yeah. early on. Yes, that's right, because he said something like he had like standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and that's all he that's could all get. That's all he could get, yeah. And then... It was Jackson Brown that came in and was like, take it easy, and like, yeah. just finished it. Yeah, and then boom, there yeah. it is. That's it. That's also like a great feeling, too, is when you get in the room and you find someone that can like kind of like complete you. It oh, finish your sentences, absolutely. especially um, when you're talking about the language of like songwriting. And like you say something, and then they say something back, and you're on the same page with them, and it's like, feels like electric it feels like magic in the room sometimes and I think about them and their partnership and what great songs they were able to write together and I get inspired by that a lot I think my favorite quote um, from the documentary is when they were talking about the long run oh yeah and and he was talking I can't remember exactly I think it was it was either Glenn or Don but one of them said was just talking about how they were all on coke and it brought out the worst in everybody in yeah. the end. And it's just like, they were so successful at one point. After Hotel California, it's just, how do you follow that up? Totally. They just had this run of albums where it's hit after hit mm -hmm. after hit and then all of a sudden you have to you have to top whatever the last thing it is that you, you did. Yeah. And being an artist, you always want to be like, this is going to be the one. Doesn't matter what it is. Like yeah. you could. It was like Quentin Tarantino. He did... Pulp Fiction, and then he followed it up with Jackie Brown. And Jackie Brown, not a lot of people liked it when it originally came came out, but it's like, how do you follow up Pulp Fiction? Right. There's no way to do to do that. Yeah. yeah. And now as history has gone on, people think that Jackie Brown is, is a great film. But yeah. I just think that's kind of funny how perspective is also gained through time when it comes to art. Because there are things that come out Definitely. that are not successful at all. It's like Iggy Pop. He's had this renaissance in his career he was not successful at the time whenever he was originally, you know, in his in his prime, so right. to speak. But it was David Bowie saw something in him, mm -hmm. and they had that kind of relationship to where it was possible to to make some great art. And then yeah. 30, 40 years later, everybody caught up with them finally and realized, oh, that's what they were doing the whole time. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's all about timing. I mean, it's crazy, too, because you can put out great music or... You know, or, or people have like with, like you were saying with Iggy Pop, it could have been relative to what the hit songs were at the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe there wasn't room for him. Maybe yeah. there wasn't a space. He was for so him. radically different. Totally. Than everything that was there at the time, and he, even Bowie experienced that. Bowie is is Harold is one of the greatest of all time now, which he is rightfully so. But like with his albums, the whole, the stuff that he was doing, uh, the Thin White Duke stuff in the mm -hmm. late seventies. 
no one really cared about that at the time from a commercial standpoint. It was, And he was broke during that whole time period, yeah. which is the benefit today of being an artist. Artists have to be way more savvy. He didn't make his money until he signed that record. I think it was that record deal with Virgin, maybe, in the early 80s, you know, with Let's Dance. Mm -hmm. He didn't make money until that, that point. He was completely just broke, you yeah. know, eating peppers and drinking milk and being high on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy lifestyle. So, who are some of your favorite songwriters? Ooh, songwriter, not artists. Well, it can be both. Both, yeah. Ooh, um, I mean, I obviously I grew up listening to people like um, the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac, and um, also, you know, artist-wise, like Otis Redding and Aretha oh, Franklin yeah. and um, Bill Withers, um, and then. You know, but then I'm I'm also like a child of the '90s, and that like I love Alanis Morissette and you know the Cardigans and um, and then even going on into like real pop, you know, I was into boy bands and Britney Spears and yeah, all of that sure. too, and um, I think that I love a lot of different styles of music, which is. Um, has been has been great but nowadays there's so many amazing songwriters out there um you know i'm a big fan of julia michaels i love all of her she's written you know so many hits um and locally there are so many good ones too i mean um like sam tenez i write with him a lot he's an awesome um writer here in town and trent dabs um he's phenomenal um i think you know i could have a probably a whole nother show of just talking about local Nashville writers and talent. Well, there's well. such a, a great scene here right mm -hmm. now. You know, Nashville, I would say, is a very fertile place because there are jobs here. So artists mm -hmm. and musicians are able to come here and they're able to get jobs. And if they're smart, they're able yeah. to work in the day and then do this by night. Yeah. And really hone their craft and hone their skill. Really? There's so many great artists here. I, I really like uh, Justin and the Cosmics, mm -hmm. Alana Royale. Yeah. Um, filming the sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Amazing voice. Yes. Um, so there are so many of those performers who are just around town where it's like everybody comes here and they're the best from wherever they're from. Right. They are the person in their town, Definitely. wherever they're from. Yeah. And they come here and then it's all of these people and I really feel like everyone really works together in Nashville. Yes. Once you kind of get your foot in the door somehow. Yes. Which is the hardest part. Once you're able to do that and actually start working, Nashville's actually very warm and welcoming. Absolutely. That's my favorite part about being in Nashville and why I love it so much and why I think I'll, I'll be here for a long time is that, you know, it did take, like, finding the right person, you know, or the right people at mm -hmm. first, but, like, once you have one writing session with someone or something like that, like, I just feel like the community is so welcoming and everyone champions each other. There's not a lot of this, like, competitive bullshit that happens, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in other places. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in rights before where it's like someone knows someone, you know, and and they, they put them in contact with them. It's not like people are trying to, like, hoard all of their contacts. You know, it's like, oh, I've been wanting to write with that person. You know them. Can you put me in touch? Absolutely. Here's their number. Like... It's a community, and yep. um, and people go to each other's shows, and um, I mean, it's it like really makes me happy a lot of the time because I've, I've traveled and, and written other places, and um, 
and those places are great, but it feels really special here. It feels like um, there's one a strong big happy community. family, yeah. like a huge sense of community, and and that's really important for me. And honestly, one of that's one of the reasons too why I feel like I've been able to be successful here in Nashville is because of those people that I wrote with early on that still come to my shows or still listen to my music mm-hmm. and. Um, and everyone has, you know, really supported me. So I will always be indebted to Nashville for that. Yeah. And I I think another important factor, Nashville can be very good to you if you are easy to work with and a good hang. Yeah. Because I think everybody's been on a session or on a project or been a part of something where there's been one person in the room who is just bringing the vibe down. Totally. Unfortunately. Yeah. And it just kills whatever it is going on. Yeah. Those people never get a call back. Yeah. And it's always, they're always the people as soon as you meet them, before you even start shaking, shaking their hand, they tell you their resume. Yeah. And like all the shit that they've worked on, everybody that they know. Oh gosh. You know, just the real greasy stuff. It makes you feel not good. It feels horrible. Yeah. It makes makes me feel sick. It's the worst feeling when you are with those people. But I mean, I've always said, even just in life and even when I was a kid, like I remember saying like, it's really easy to be nice. Like I always have felt that way. It's Mm -hmm. really easy to be nice to people. Like it is not difficult. Like I don't get these people that go in and they're rude or obnoxious. It's like, that's not, that's not how I think people should treat each other. And if you just like, you know, stick with that, um, that kind of mindset of just, you know, as lame as this may sound like treating others the way you would want to be treated then it's it really benefits you in the long run like there there are so many people that I feel like I've been like that person was really nice to me even when when I had never written with anyone before when I was nobody when I was nobody and they um were so sweet to me and made me feel special and made me feel like I was something and, yeah like you can I, do it and and I will always remember those people and I will go to their shows and I will support them too and so it's, um, you know, we've, we've all had, unfortunately, our, our fair share of those um, rude and obnoxious people, but I think what's cool about Nashville is the majority of it is um, is filled with the, those nice and kind people that are willing to help. Yeah, there's still that Southern culture here. Yes. I, I feel Nashville, what's so beautiful about it is anybody can move here and it adopts you. Yeah. I feel like Nashville has adopted me. My home will always be Maine. You know, that's where I, where I grew up and it's, it's a very large part of who I am today. But Nashville comes at you with open arms. Even the people who aren't musicians. Right. They right. ask you where you're from and they're like, welcome to Nashville. We're happy to have you. Exactly. And just, you're a Nashvillian now. Yeah. They just take you in. And I think the town, the town itself, there's so much going on here between just jobs there's so many great restaurants there's yes. a culture here yeah that i don't think everybody in america or in the world is aware of yet we're starting to see it but i think it's going to take a couple of artists here mm-hmm. really blowing it up there's a tv show nashville of course right which that's a glimpse of it but it's not the full picture right. of what it actually is here definitely it's not the realistic view of what it is yeah and i think Probably within the next couple of years, people are really going to be like, oh, Nashville, you know, it's becoming like a Chicago, a New York, Boston, L.A. It's it's in that conversation. We're right in that that rub, so to speak, of of being there. Yes. Well, I've even seen a change. It was crazy. I remember when I first moved here, I would... um, I would tell people where I was from, and they would be like, oh, Nashville. They'd be like, hey, y'all. And Mm -hmm. they'd ask me about 
Johnny Cash or Broadway or something. And now, um, you know, those things still may be in the conversation, but they're like, oh, I heard there's a great um, restaurant scene in Nashville. Yeah. Or I... So many great food trucks. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's it, it's changed. Like, I've heard Nashville, you know, when I tell people, when I'm like, I've heard Nashville's amazing. Like, I've been wanting to go there. Or my friend just went there, and they're obsessed with it. And there's arts and food and culture and um i think that the conversation is changing just from it being known from you know a town that built country music now all of a sudden we're having all of these other cool things it's a renaissance for the city definitely i i love the the always hearing about the history of nashville and kind of all the things that used to happen here and you can even still feel it like the, the ghost of johnny cash yeah or any of those guys they were such a large part of this culture, but they were also very far from outside of the establishment. They wanted nothing to do with it. It was right. like Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, they all moved moved down like to Texas. The two of them moved down to Texas, and that's how they really found their sound, because Nashville wanted them to be a certain way. Right. But now, artists have the benefit of coming here, and no one is going to tell you how or what to be, because you're fortunate enough that they don't care, and they don't right. want anything to do with you. Right. It's and, true. And by the time you build something, and mm-hmm. you're yourself, that's when they come to you now. Definitely. So it's, that's one of my other favorite things about it. Like I, I do like all the classic country music. Mm-hmm. You know, Merle Haggard. I'm a huge Merle Haggard fan. Mm-hmm. I love him. I love all that. And um, there's such a rich culture and a rich history here. But it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like there's all of these. I guess this sense of hangover from it. Right. Right. The new Nashville is very inviting, and I, I think there are people who bemoan it, but. Really, that's pretty rare for me to really hear someone who's upset upset about the way that Nashville is. All they're saying is they don't like the traffic. I was just about to say, yeah. that's the only thing that's people the complain thing. about yeah. is the traffic. But other than that, I mean, I love it because I feel like there is truly something for everyone. Like, we're catering to all different types of people. And I think that's bringing different types of people to Nashville. And I think that's important in, um, in a community in general, but especially in a music community. Like, you want diversity and you want to learn from people that are different than you absolutely yeah you want to celebrate differences yeah which i feel every other place in the world at least according to the internet which is the glasses the you know the rose colored glasses right. i feel like we see everything through is is not very accepting of diversity and we get really angry at each other but mm-hmm. i really like the fact that there are so many different kinds of artists here yes it's so diverse yeah. And the sounds are so diverse. And there is a little sliver of something for everybody. And if, yes. if it's not there yet, even better because you can make that sliver. Exactly. You just have to you just have to pursue it. Right. And it's also good that there is the tax rates are friendly in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have a bunch of friends who are also just starting like business businesses, not just friends I don't have that don't do anything right. with music. Like my friend John, he has he has a food truck called My Little Pierogi. That's it's fantastic. Cool. Check it out. Awesome. I um, love pierogies. Really? Yeah. Yes. I'm okay. a huge pierogi fan. The short so. rib pierogi is the ones that I've tried, and it's okay. fantastic. But yeah, yeah, you can follow him on Instagram. Okay, it's My very Little good. Pierogi. Yeah. Definitely I'm going to have him on the podcast soon. Okay. He just got Perfect. married. Congratulations, John. <laughs> Congrats. Um, but yeah, th- there's so many... I feel exciting, new, groundbreaking things that are happening. Yes. Um, and I like that there is a little bit of a music tech scene here, too. Definitely. I think technology is important in music. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's easy to, to say, you know, things aren't how they used to be this way or that way, mm -hmm. um, which is true to a certain extent. But I feel in the next five years, we're really not going to be able to tell the difference between analog tape and digital. I, I feel like everything, that's the one thing, everything sounds so compressed these days. But we're going to start heading into something where things are becoming indistinguishable. Music is becoming more readily available than ever to mm -hmm. people. And there's going to be something that's going to come along that's really going to be a game changer for how we consume it. It's already happened with, of course, with the internet and MP right. MP3s, Napster originally. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very excited for what technology is going to bring next for music. Have you, have you given any thought to that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm always like, what's next? I'm thinking, you know, what's the next platform for people because it seems like things you know it's right when you think something has a hold on everyone that it just flips and yeah. goes completely the different goes belly up exactly nobody hears from it exactly so i mean um it's i mean i, I don't know what's going to be next i wish i knew yeah i really do um but it's just been a crazy journey even you know we were talking about this earlier, but when I first started out, even like Spotify was kind of, it was there, but it was very, you know, early and, um, I don't think people had really jumped on board yet. And now it's like, you know, one of the biggest platforms, most people I know find their music on Spotify, um, from playlists and everything. And so it's like, what, what's next? Either what is Spotify going to create next or what is someone else going to create next? It just completely comes up and knifes it, right. takes it out in the middle of, a, middle of the night. You don't know. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to, like, research and, and figure it out, but I wish I knew. I think what's going to happen next is that power is going to continue to be turned back over to the artist. So the artists that so. are going to continue to be successful are the ones who are business savvy yeah. and smart and have their kind of their ear to the ground and are willing to be fluid in change. Right. Um, I really, what I really would like to see, and I think it's going to happen eventually, and it might happen here first in Nashville because there are so many artists, is not necessarily some kind of, I guess like a coalition almost, like a Justice League mm -hmm. or the Avengers or something like that where everyone just teams up and they pull their resources. Maybe that's a little too utopian. Mm -hmm. But I want to believe that that's the case, and I, I think something like that can, can really happen here. Definitely. I think there are enough people that, you know, can band together, and if they want something to, to happen, they can make it happen. But I'm with you. I really hope that the power goes to the artists, and, um, you know, I'm always for paying the songwriters and paying the artists um, fairly, so, you know, hopefully... Um, you know, more money goes to the, the, especially independent artists these days, you know, it's, it's like they need to make money too. So hopefully there's a way, um, that can be fair and just with that. Well, I think one thing that's going to have to happen is unfortunately some kind of legislation is going to have to change as far as copyright laws go, Right. because we're in a real weird territory with that now. Cause I personally feel, and I'm sure you feel this way to a certain extent, is that I love music, I love making music. I would I honestly just want to give it away for free um, for people to hear it, but I think every single artist is it's different, but I, I just wonder how realistic it is to to figure out how to get paid on this. Right. Like that that's the real trick for everybody is figuring out how how to that hustle. 
one of the things you kind of talked about earlier was with sync licensing. Yeah. Um, which is something I don't know much about. Can you talk about that a yeah. little bit and how you started to get involved with that, what yeah. the process has been like? Absolutely. Um, so I am signed to Prescription, um, which is a publisher. Um, they were originally out of L.A., but they opened up an office here now about a year ago. Um, I signed with them over two and a half years ago. And um, essentially what happens is I will uh, write a song and um, fortunately, a lot of these songs have been written with Cody, so we'll write a lot of the time together. Mm -hmm. And if we feel like it's something that could work well for um, film or TV, we'll send it off to our publisher. And um, my publisher has a sync team and licensing team, and they essentially pitch my songs to different networks, um, music supervisors, um, trailer houses, all of these different people. And if they like it, then um, they essentially license it and they put it in a promo or in a TV show or in a movie and then I get paid for that. Holla! Yeah, holla! Exactly. Um, which it's been, and it's been crazy. I mean, I have been very fortunate in that I've had several placements and so I've had some stuff that's been on um, like HBO, ABC, E, um, National Geographic, um, and, you know, a few, a few other, some trailers for some movies, and, you know, that's how I'm able to make money, and then obviously, you know, I turn, I take that money and turn it around and invest it back into Whistle, and so, um, it's, I've been very fortunate, but it's, um, it's really fun. It's a fun process to oh, yeah. to write something and then say, you know what? Like I think this it sounds like it could, you know, be used in some sort of movie or the something. music business. The music business. Emphasis exactly. on the business. Um and it's always crazy to like watch a show or something and then to see it in the show. Yeah. It's very, very you're just like I wrote that in my apartment. That's so exactly. Yeah. It's so strange going from oh that was just like a day in my life where I wrote this song and now it's it exists it's, for it, it, it exists, exists forever forever. Yeah. forever. And sometimes you get these people that are like crazy fans of the show and it's been really great too because I feel like people have been able to discover me through that. So it's been um, it's been awesome for just like getting the word out about my music. But for I sure, love the film and TV industry, big I, fan. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I think one uh, band that really was successful at that, and they kind of were just grinding for a while with it, was the Black Keys. Definitely. Their manager, uh, Q Prime Management, I can't remember the guy's name, mm -hmm. but he had them, they, for, there was a, a period of time where every movie that was coming out, I think every other movie had a Black Keys song in it. Absolutely. And that was, that's probably how they got the money to do their album Brothers, yeah. which is, that's when they blew up, is they were able to invest in good equipment, you know, yeah. they started putting bass in their songs, like, I really am a big fan of Dan Auerbach a lot, Yeah. just because of his grind and his mentality, and he's someone I feel like really understands it and gets Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Very talented. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you know, I think it's exposure too. It's just yes. like people hear you all the time and they don't necessarily realize it's you. And then all right. of a sudden you have a hit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have a song every time the Predators score a goal, your it's, song is playing. Exactly. Like, and it only takes one song. And so it's always really exciting too, because if it's the right song and the right placement, I mean, there, like you said, there have been people that have, um, taken off from 
you know, one song, like Rachel yeah. Platten, you know, had a song in a car commercial and it kind of blew up and then she was able to use that to her advantage and, and have hit songs because of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's always exciting because you never know what's going to happen with the song and with the no. placement and you're always one song away, one song away from a hit. One it's song always away the from next one. Placement. It's always the next one. Exactly. The next one I write is going to be a hit. This is so, it. Yeah. And I, I, it takes it, it takes that mentality to be able to stay in the game. Yeah. Because it is. It's like, it's a game. You're always having to play. Yes. And you're you're always down by always. by ten by ten points in the second half. Right. And there's no chance of a comeback. Yeah. And I think it's just that that hope and that belief in yourself, knowing. And I think that's part of the the business owner mindset too. Definitely. Like you were saying earlier, it takes five years before you can turn a profit. Right. And how how long have you been doing this now? Six and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So you you've it sounds like you've experienced well I guess four years technically well like I've been in Nashville six and a half years but four years maybe wholeheartedly yeah you say, but but once you start really grind on grinding on it and yeah. putting it forth you know you're definitely starting to to get results yeah and kind of what I try and do with this podcast is I want people to hear stuff like this yeah so they know that they're not alone and you're not alone I'm you hoping out there are not alone no Don't you worry. are not alone yeah you might be down right now right you feel like you just got your teeth kicked in yeah. You broke up with your significant other, got evicted from your apartment, yes. and you feel like you're about to lose. Yeah. It's all going to turn around. Absolutely. Well, and I love more than anything, like, an underdog story. Oh, absolutely. Like, I know America. We all do. We yeah. all do. We all love that. Like, and, and that's, you know, what I feel like sometimes with myself. I'm like, okay, this is the point in a game, exactly like you said, where you're down by, by seven, and it's, you know... 10 seconds left and yeah, it's like are, no you, are you gonna quit yeah. no and I think that that like kind of hustle and grind like always keeps me going because I'm like you know I've, I've, I've got to make it despite all of these things that have happened or despite where I am right now there's always that that hope that's there and I'm gotta very out. much like a glass half full person so I'm always trying to like see the light like okay I've done this this and this um so I feel good about myself you know I I I can achieve this. I will achieve this because that that's really all you have is like your hope and belief in yourself. Well, I think that's the perfect note to end this on. <laughs> so you got that show yes. next uh, next Friday. Well, it's actually this Friday because it's going to be going up next Wednesday. Yes. What is the date for that? January 19th. At Mercy Lounge. At Mercy Lounge. It's their um, 15th anniversary. And so they're going to have a big show. It's um, They're going to have two days of shows when I'm playing January 19th. Uh, doors open at eight. Uh, first act goes on at nine, and um, I'd love to see you know everyone out there. It's gonna be an awesome show. It's gonna be so fun. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us.